You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to the latest episode of the Five on the Flower podcast. I'm Ethan Skolnick and I'm out here at Las Vegas Summer League. So be sure to check this feed regularly. I converted this podcast from a flagship podcast covering all Miami sports to one just covering the Miami Heat, and the NBA. And before we start, I want to tell you that this episode is brought to you by a new sponsor of the Five on the Floor podcast. That's the Renaissance Hotel in Fort Lauderdale, a four-star Marriott-branded property just two miles from Fort Lauderdale Airport and right by the main bridge and Broward Convention Center on 17th Street. It's perfect for pre-cruised groups as they are located directly across the street from the Port Everglades cruise port. Over 20,000 square feet of meeting space with world-class catering for any event, walking distance to many restaurants, including the Boatyard, I spent some time there, and Las Spadas, of course, a South Florida institution. Contact the sales manager for group and event pricing. That's at 954-626-1709. The Renaissance Hotel, 954-626-1709. All right, Ethan Skolnick back here with Nikias Duncan. You know him from Miami Heat Beat among other properties, was with me at the All-Star Game in Charlotte. We just got finished watching the Miami Heat basically steal all of China's intellectual property. Uh, Just completely destroyed the Chinese team. I don't know whether that was a good Chinese team or not a good Chinese team. I have no idea. I have no idea either. I don't know. But they could not complete layups. So I don't think that was the best that the Chinese have to offer. If it was... There's more work to be done over in China. Yeah, I think it was mentioned after the game that they have like four or five starters out. So hopefully that, that would explain what we watched for uh, about an hour and a half. It was a pretty rough game. Um, it was basically a glorified scrimmage after the first quarter. Uh, it's just hard to take much of anything away from it. Yeah, it is. And the thing is, it's the only time that the Heat, unless they make the playoffs of this event, it's the only time the Heat are going to be in the big arena this week. So they're at the Thomas and Mack Center today. Then they're going to be in the Cox Pavilion. They don't play tomorrow. We're taping this on a Friday. They don't, tape, they don't play on Saturday. They will play again on Sunday. They are practicing on Saturday, and they're doing it late. And the reason they're doing it late is because tomorrow is the day that the moratorium ends, and so they can officially announce Casey Espala, their second-round pick, who they've not been able to mention. They've been able to talk to him, but they haven't been able to mention him. They haven't been able to have him on the floor they can officially do that tomorrow, and so they're looking forward to that. So they're going to have a late practice, and then hopefully we'll see KZ on the floor for the first time on Sunday. But what I'm going to do with Nikias here today is we're going to talk about some of the young players, but we're also going to talk about fits. All right, now, when, when Tyler Harrow was drafted, you were not thrilled. And I listened to that Heat Beat pod, and none of you were thrilled. In fact, you all threatened to quit <laughs> if he was drafted. There was the same reaction kind of on Twitter – and now I've noticed over the last week, as people have seen him play a little bit, that that reaction has softened a little bit. You've now seen him in person. Has it softened for you? 
Uh, I feel a little bit better by his offensive upside. I felt like, well, if anyone listened to the Heat Beat Pod, I was basically out on the pick just because I didn't feel like he had any kind of defensive upside because of the wingspan, because of the lateral quickness. And I knew he was a good shooter, but beyond that, it was kind of hard to project how much better he would be as an offensive player. I didn't see much on-ball um, much on-ball equity there. So that's why I ended up doing my deep dive for five reasons. Um, and I came away a little bit more encouraged because he does have some decent passing feel. Um, can kind of read defenses better than I thought, so I feel like there was a nice baseline there, and I can kind of see why the Heat were excited about him as a pick. Um, but from there, it hasn't really softened too much because the concerns that I had at the time really haven't um, really haven't subsided at all. What's well, the biggest concern still? Off- uh, offensively. I, mean, I know what your concerns are defensively, but what's the biggest concern offensively? Offensively, he just doesn't have burst with the ball, and he really struggles to attack in the half court. He's mm-hmm. not a great finisher because of the wingspan. He does have great touch, but he can't finish over defenses, and he doesn't have a great first step. So if he isn't already attacking coming off of a screen, or that's why he's so good in transition because the defense is already on, his, on their heels, you get him in a half-court situation where if they switch a pick or the defender guarding him comes over the screen and sticks with him, he doesn't have the burst and he doesn't have a tight enough handle to kind of win one-on-one. And he has to win with tough pull-up shots, which we've seen him flash some of that shot making in summer league already, but it's against summer league talent. If he has to work that hard in the half court to generate looks for himself and they aren't even that clean, then what is it going to look like when he, when he goes up to that next level? So what's a reasonable projection for him this season? Is this a rotation player for them, do you think? I think he's going to be a rotation player because they're going to need his shot making. And playing with a guy like Jimmy Butler, he had, he's not scared of anything. And I would imagine Jimmy's probably going to love his attitude. And if you have Jimmy Butler on the floor with you, you have Justice on the floor with you, you have Bam on the floor with you, you're going to need someone to spread the floor uh-huh. for them. So I do think there's going to be a, he's going to have a role carved out for him in the rotation. We just have to see how um, confident he's going to be defensively. He reads the floor well, he just can't move. So if there are lineups where they can kind of hide him a little bit, or simplify, uh, not even simplify the reads. Just find a place where he can be hidden. I think he'll be fine. We're doing this, by the way, in a tunnel. So <laughs> I'm finding different places to do podcasts because it's so loud outside and I'm not a technical person. So you, you hear the bathroom door slamming. Uh, don't pay any attention to that. <laughs> I want to talk about two other young players and then we're going to get on to veteran fits here. Uh, the other one is Duncan Robinson. And I've always said that that second year in the Heat program you kind of see guys go from sort of reclamation or resurrection to rotation. Like that's that's sort of where it happens. It happened for Rodney Magruder. It's happened for a lot of guys. Some guys do it a little quicker, like an Anthony Carter or whatever. Uh, you know, Mike James because they needed him to play. They've had some guys like that, and Ike Austin. But for the most part, it's that second year. What are you seeing? That is anything different from Duncan from what you're seeing than you saw last season? Um, he looks a lot more comfortable with the ball in his hands. Um, you saw it last year in Summer League. You also saw a little bit if you watched any of the G, um, G League games. Um, the Heat and the Sky Force kind of ran him a lot off of screens and kind of let him attack off curls that way, more of a, as a play finisher in that regard. Um, the Heat have kind of trusted him more with the ball. He's been running a lot more pick and rolls, and he's looked pretty decent. I, I don't know how much of that translates into the NBA because kind of like Tyler Harrell, he isn't a great athlete. He doesn't have a, a very shaky handle. So I think... Um, those kind of opportunities are going to be limited for him 
um, assuming he makes the um, the Heat roster. But he does look a lot more comfortable with the ball than I thought he ever would. All right, let's talk to, uh, about another guy, someone I got a chance to talk to. I'm going to post it on one of the podcasts over the weekend, which is Kedrick Nunn, um, who had 27 the other night. He went over 20 again today, again, the Chinese team. I don't know how much to read into that. Uh, but I've been impressed. I mean, he, the Heat had a history of developing point guards. It kind of stopped in recent years, but they used to, They used to. you know, again, Anthony Carter's a guy I mentioned, but, you know, they got something, and they made an NBA player out of Mike James, who I was watching play in Ed Pinckney's Summer League in, in North Miami. Uh, you know, so they've had some guys, and then even, like, they would, you know, they would got, they got the more out of Eric Murdoch than anybody else got. I mean, this goes back years and years and years and years. Uh, they're going to need another point guard. I mean, right now, we don't know if they're trading Goran Dragic as we speak. Justice, I don't know if they're ready to turn over 37 minutes a night to him at the point guard position. They should be. Well, I know your feelings on that. We're going to talk about that. But uh, what is – can Kendrick none? I mean, he's going to make the team. Um, you know, what do you see from him? Can he be a backup point guard for them potentially? I feel like the one thing that he has been missing over the last year, two years, has been like an elite shot creator. And I don't want to say Kendrick Nunn's an elite shot creator, but he has that kind of a um, – he can fit that – spark plug mold. And I think that's kind of what you would be looking for in the third point guard if Goran's still here or if they trade Goran for another point guard with an extra year on his contract to set up for 2021, whatever they decide to do with it. Mm. I do think Kendrick Nunn's a guy that's been in the system. He obviously knows what he's looking for. He's a confident guy, um, has some pull-up equity. Uh, I want to see more from him as a passer to see what kind of um, see what kind of feel he has on the offensive end. But he, he's a bucket. The guy can shoot. Um, and that, that kind of dynamism is what Miami needs. All right, wait, I got to stop you because I, we got to go on that phrase. When did he's a bucket become, <laughs> become like the NBA catchphrase? Like, I know Harold calls himself one, right? Mm-hmm. But, like, is this, uh, when I'm old, but, like, what? <laughs> but, like, is that? Feel, like, I'm, I'm from a small place in um, South Carolina. Like, that's, that's just, I guess that's just common place in, like, hoop culture. It is, so, but I, I, I've heard, I know it, I've heard it, but I haven't heard it used in the NBA like I've heard it used over the past three months. I don't know why that okay. is. I, I think Tyler Hero's kind of made it popular. Okay. Right. I, I'll give him the credit for that one. All right, so that's good. So you like the draft pick more than you did before. All right, let's get to some of the veteran guys uh, now. And let's just start. I haven't gotten a chance to talk to you since the Jimmy Butler trade. So now we don't know the pieces are going to be around him other than it's not going to be Jay Rich, who now all of a sudden is the greatest player who's ever lived because he's been traded from the Heat. Um, but obviously it looks like it's going to be Bam. Uh, it looks like it's going to be Justice, we think, uh, unless they do something crazy with John Wall and Bradley Beal. And you, you, got, your, you got your head down there. Uh, and we don't know about DeMarcus Cousins. That's still out there. So we just know Jimmy Butler is going to be here with the current group of players. How does he fit with the current group of players? I think off the court, he's going to be the kind of guy that pushes them and takes them to another level. Um, you kind of saw it from Justice last year as he was taking more of that leadership role. Like, he has an edge to him. You saw it in the Philly series a couple of years ago. Like, he has an edge to him. He can kind of deal with that kind of tough love. And I think that's why Dwayne Wade was so good for him, because Dwayne kind of walked that balance between being a mentor and also just kind of having that tough love and pushing that out on him. So I think Jimmy Butler is a guy that goes 110% all the time. Um, ideally, anyway, when he doesn't hate where he's at. <laughs> but um, right. he's the kind of guy. That'll who, be year three, Nikias. <laughs> and I don't think that's going to be at the beginning. But no, he's, he's that kind of alpha personality. I think that's going to um, jive well with justice, and I think that's going to set the tone for the rest of the team. Um, on the court, he's a guy that can he can give you 10 points. Mm. In the- Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. That's four minutes of a game, and he'd have desperately needed that. Um, just as a guy that can bend your defense, but he had been the, the kind of guy to cap things off. Mm-hmm. Uh, Josh Richardson had more on-ball, I want to say more on-ball skill, but he had more versatility as a scorer than Justice, but he didn't really seem comfortable in that role. And, you know, I guess his shoes were too big sometimes when mm-hmm. he was on the sideline, that kind of thing. So I think having a guy like Jimmy Butler, who has been statistically one of the best clutch players in the NBA over the last two or three years, I think that's going to be huge for Miami. Just giving them that go-to scoring option, especially late, that's going to be huge for them. All right, current players, give me your starting lineup. They make no other changes, and I, I, they're going to make a change because I don't think Goran's still going to be there. But right now, with what they have, what's their starting five? Uh, okay, before I answer, is it what I would do or what I think is going to be? All right, let's, let's do what you would do first and then what it'll be. If it was up to me, I think I would go with Justice at point. Mm-hmm. I would go with Hero at the two. I would go Jimmy at the three, Kelly Olenek at the four, and then Bam at the five. Okay. So even even with your concerns about Hero, just to have the shooting on the floor at the two spots. So you would put Hero. I wonder how this would sit. You would put Hero over Dion Waiters, who's still on the roster, by the way. Nobody yeah. talks about him anymore, mm-hmm. but he's still on the roster with two years left in his contract. But you would put Tyler there for the shooting. Now Dion's going to say, "I shot thirty-eight yeah. percent from three last year mm-hmm. at extraordinarily." Too high volume, in my view, particularly when he was jacking up 14 a game at the end of the year. You really th- – okay, they're not going to do that. Yeah, okay, okay, so what do you think they would do? I think they're going to stick with that lineup and you just have Dion in instead of Hero. I think that's what we'll actually see unless they make the move for Bill or we'll, – we'll have to see what other moves they make. I think realistically Dion's probably going to be starting too. And how would Dion and Justice play together? Because that looked messy to me last year. Uh, this is also why I would rather have start a guy like Hero because he's not going to demand that kind of usage. It's nice to see that he has those flashes that he can handle like a secondary pick and roll, but he's going to be more of an off-the-catch shooter, mm. and that's why I would want him in. Uh, I don't know what the Justice Dion thing is going to look like because Dion did shoot well, especially from three, but a lot of those were pull-ups, and that, right. that's with him building a rhythm and kind of – Which takes everybody else out of rhythm. Yeah, and that's just going to be tough because Jimmy Butler is – an okay catch-and-shoot guy, mm-hmm. but uh, that you don't really want him off the ball too much. You don't want Justice off the ball too much because he has more value puncturing defenses than he does as a catch-and-shoot guy, even though he's become... Now, could, that group though, could be pretty good defensively, though, right? I mean, Dion, when he's engaged, can be okay on that end, right? Like, if the ankle's right and he's into it. Yeah, that's kind of the thing. And this is kind of why I've kind of lowered more on Dion, mm-hmm. even though he... he does look a little bit more fit, so I'll, I'll be happy to be wrong about him. But um, the year before last, he was a mess defensively because of the ankle. Right. And then he comes back this year, and 
he looked healthier, but he made worse decisions as a defender. Mm-hmm. And that just kind of alarmed me because um, even before he came to the Heat, he was most he was known as a guy he was fine on ball, mm-hmm. but off the ball he's a bit of a mess. And you give him a little bit of a pass since he was playing on the bad ankle, he was a mess mm-hmm. on ball. But for him to be a mess on ball and off ball last year, it just kind of gave me pause. So I really want to see how he re- how he rebounds on that end. All right, so the other one, and I agree with you about Olenek. He should be the starting four, provided he's here, which we still don't know. Uh, but the one name he didn't mention was Goran. So you're saying even if he's here, mm. you want the ball. You don't trust it if if they put justice with Goran in the backcourt that justice will actually handle the ball. Is that is that the problem with that? Because Goran's yeah. the best, a better player than Tyler Harrow or Deion mm. Waiters, yeah. right? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I just don't. I think if you're going to maximize justice, you have to give him the reins completely. Mm. And I mean, they're obviously going to have some times where they play together, but you don't want to have huge usage there because Gorn has slipped quite a bit defensively as well. And you right. don't want the defense have to cover too much for him. And you don't want Gorn to stand in the corner. You don't want Justice to stand in the corner. And if you're playing those two together with Jimmy Butler, you kind of want the offense to run through Jimmy too. So you want to have one guy kind of fully slotted in as the secondary guy if Jimmy's running it or just having that kind of ebb and flow there. And if you have all three of them in the lineup, it's just going to be a poor um, – it's going to be poor usage, in my opinion. All right. So, final question here as we go forward: uh, Do you what would you put the odds of Goran Dragic being traded, based on what they have right now? Uh, I think they definitely need to move him, but everything's in the holding pattern until Kawhi decides. Yeah, what I know. To do and it's just kind of. Like I don't that. even think we can eat dinner tonight until it's <laughs> Kawhi decides. I told this on the last podcast with Alf. San Diego State didn't know he'd enrolled until he showed up at summer school classes. So. <laughs> very possible we're not going to know for weeks uh, and as i say that it's probably happening right now because i have my phone turned off but <laughs> but uh I, yeah i think it's a high likelihood too i i guess if you're going to trade him it, what's your highest expectation for him is it to get a backup point guard back who's serviceable maybe and you're just clearing the space out this year or do you have an expectation of getting a draft pick or attaching a piece that you want to get rid of i mean is it He's still a valuable player in the NBA. That's what I'm saying. You know, I mean, he's a rotation player on a, on a contending team, I think. Um, I think if the rumors are true that the Timberwolves are trying to float, um, are okay with moving Robert Covington, which I, I really disagree with. He's a valuable I, yeah. player. I'm but a big-time big Covington yeah, fan. If there's smoke there, they've already been trying to move Jeff Teague. I think you at least try to sniff around like Gorn, and even if you have to throw in like Derrick Jones Jr. as a sweetener, mm-hmm. try to pair those two and try to get Robert Covington out of there. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to see a rangy wing for Gorn. If you can't just flat out toss him into space somewhere, that just sounds terrible. Can, can Teague still play at all? I think Teague is just, he's maddeningly fine. And uh-huh. he just doesn't raise your ceiling at all. Mm-hmm. And I don't think, you, he's more of a stopgap guy. Like, I, if Phoenix didn't get um, Ricky Rubio, I think he would be fine as a guy that can just kind of play off of that. He's Darren Collison, basically, yeah. at this yeah, he, point. He's just that kind of a guy, which, I mean, that's fine, mm-hmm. and his contract isn't that much longer, so it, it's not a big deal, but I don't think, like, the Heat probably shouldn't go after Jeff T. Like, you just right. keep going at that point. Right. So, I'll, if you're not getting a young piece, then I think you aim for another wing. I think that's just the route you go. I well, think. Covington's a Heat player, basically. I mean, yeah. they, and he's a plug-and-play guy for them. He would fit their quote-unquote culture. Yeah. You and, know, I mean, if you have a chance to get 
uh, Justice Winslow, Robert Covington, Jimmy Butler trio. Like you, you do that immediately. Yes. <laughs> like, like with, with, with with Bam switching and yeah, and, and I mean it does it does, almost doesn't matter who the fifth yeah. is at that point defensively. Right. There, there you go. But yeah, I, I think you just got to go for the. If you can't get them into cap space, you go for a wing. And if not, then I guess you just kind of you hope Lauren excels the bench roll and you kind of go from there. Highest possible projection for the Heat right now, based on what they have on the roster in the East. Based on what they have right now, I would say forty-six wins. That's about what I have. I mean, right I, in that range. I said potentially, you know, that four to six hole in the East, possibly. There are three teams that are better. Yeah. Uh, again, we're in the holding pattern with Kawhi. But, right. But they're better anyway, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, yeah cause I think Unless if they Kawhi, blow it up. If Kawhi does leave, then if Pascal takes the leap, I think he can. I'm right. pretty high on him. Um, Kyle Lowry's going to anchor a top 10 offense right. in the regular season anyway. Right. Uh, I think Toronto has enough continuity that can still win a lot of games. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking at Toronto, you're looking at Boston, you're looking at um, Milwaukee Philly, and Philly. Philly. Yeah. So there are those four. I'm high on Indiana. That's mm-hmm. five. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have my questions about Kyrie uh-huh. anchoring a locker room. So I think that's kind of where the cutoff is. I think. I mean, why are people – I understand being high on the Durant move, and I, I get that, trust me, okay? Mm-hmm. But as far as for this year, I thought Brooklyn overachieved last year anyway. Mm-hmm. I don't love their bench that much. And they – you know, basically – so they replaced Russell with Kyrie. Mm-hmm. That's an upgrade provided that Kyrie is – healthy and engaged and not killing people <laughs> right? Right. I mean so but I don't know that any of those three things are gonna happen necessarily did they get that much better I mean just yes franchise wise they got better they got Kevin Durant mm-hmm. but just for this year I don't know that they're gonna win more games this year than they won last year I think an underrated part of this is that um, D'Angelo Russell became and is an injury replacement became an all-star after Spencer Spencer Dinwiddie went down and Spencer mm-hmm. Dinwiddie I think up till he got hurt was probably Brooklyn's second best player mm-hmm. um, behind Karis LeBert, who also got hurt. Right. So I do think getting those two back is going to be huge for them. I mean, that's not going to make up the gap that, you know, Kevin Durant's going to leave since he's not going to be playing. But I mean, right. getting those two guys, both of those guys are French all-star caliber guards. Right. So even if Kyrie does get hurt, you're tossing the reins back over to Spencer Dinwiddie, who's really good, or Karis mm-hmm. LeBert, who's also really good. Mm-hmm. Um, they, I do think they have some pretty solid depth. Um, uh, DeMar Carroll's gone, but uh, they get Torian Prince in there. He's in a contract right. year. Uh, I, I like a lot of the pieces that they have. Kenny Atkinson's a great coach. They have a great um, – So it sounds like you, you say – I mean, he, a high upside could be – and I don't, I don't love Boston. We can talk about them another time. But, mm-hmm. like, I just don't love their front court. I don't know what's, I don't know what's there. Uh, but, I mean, it, it sounds like a highest upside potentially four could be seven, could be eight mm-hmm. if – Indiana is what you think it's going to be, and if Brooklyn basically stays where they were, that's what you're looking at. I, I don't see a lot of depth beyond that in the conference. I, I don't know if Orlando's going to be as good, and there are some teams like Charlotte that are going to be pretty awful. Um, but, yeah, but again, we don't know until some of these things play out this week, and as we're speaking right now, Goran could be on a, on a bus to Minnesota. So, <laughs> so we're not sure how it's going to play. I will right, we'll have more coming up this week. Um, I did an interview with Sean Hyken, uh, who, who covered – uh, Jimmy Butler in Chicago covered Myers Leonard in Portland and also had some thoughts on how the Portland's going to use Hassan Whiteside. Also, as I mentioned, I spoke to Kendrick Nunn, and I've got a bunch of other interviews coming up, so make sure to check out the feed. If anything big happens, I will get Alf uh, out of his uh, drunken stupor and, uh, and make sure we do a podcast with him too. So talk to you soon. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. 
In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.